Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you, first of all, for doing this. Mm, absolutely. So, okay. Well, this is fun um, because we're. I'm in the future technically early in the morning and you're because you're in the UK and I'm in Australia. So this is just a bit of a, a brain bender. But Ruth Cooper Dixon joins me on the podcast today and I would love to know the story about your last drink. Let's start with your last drink and then see where the conversation goes. Okay, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit surreal that you're in the future and I'm here. But <laughs> hey, anyway, the future um, looks bright, Ruth. The future looks bright. <laughs> so my last drink was on, or should I say, drinks was on the eighth of November, twenty eighteen, um, and it was a big, boozy work night out and. The irony was I was hung over that day from a big awards night the night before. And I went to this event and often when I used to be hung over, I used to think, oh, I can, red wine felt medicinal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, just kind of, you know, what you're talking, I can drink red wine if I'm hung over. It's okay. It felt okay. I know okay. what you mean. If that makes you feel any better, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. I mean, how I put that together, I don't know. But anyway, so I'd gone to this event. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So I'd gone to this event. I was drinking red wine, not really drinking a lot. And then because I was hungover from the night before because I had been to a big awards. And um, it turns out there was a free bar. And again, um, my on-off switch, which we'll come to, I'm sure, at some point, was, you know, I was never very good at all on, you know, just uh, moderation. And so there was, then they said, oh, we've got a free bar and you can stay and, you know, it's got to be used up, blah, blah, blah. And I don't really remember getting home. I remember being, I don't even know how I got home from the centre of London to where I lived in London at the time, which was absolutely crazy because you think of a female on her own trying to get home and don't really remember that getting home on the tube I know I was very ill um I know I gave all my money to somebody um and I just remember being really poorly all that night like so so poorly all through the next to the next morning and yeah it was just not a good place mentally or physically actually so yeah it I mean, people say, I, I know I've heard people who have turned sober or started, you know, chat, mindful drinking challenges, but they've always said, oh, I, I purposely had a big blowout. And actually that wasn't, that's, is what happened to me, but it wasn't, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. It was just literally two, it was two events back to back, literally, you know, night after night. Um, yeah. 
And so, it's, and yeah, so you're saying it wasn't intentional. And I have heard that too, Ruth, where some people are like, mm. yeah, I knew I was going to give up on Monday. So Sunday was a massive, you know, because it's like yeah. had to give a one last, you know, one last blow. Yeah, uh, it's exactly. Funny, it's funny how our minds work like that. And look, I, we could overanalyze it. Um, maybe that's subconsciously what happened. Maybe subconsciously sobriety was being signposted for you and internally, mm. you, you know, your psyche was like, okay, well, we're going to just throw caution to the wind, <laughs> back it up, and then and then head on out into the world of sobriety. Who, who knows? Like our, our minds are a mystery, aren't they? So can you paint me a picture of, I find it interesting that you gave all your money away too. Is that, was that a charitable do you think that was yeah, a drunken charity thing? Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. I was done, a, a, a homeless person. Yeah, I've done like, that too. Like emptied my wallet. Like, I, here yeah. you go, here's all my money yeah. and just emptied my wallet out, literally. It's so somebody. extreme, isn't it? It like is. It's, it's, it is really extreme. And it's really interesting what you say about that big blowout because when I'm, I'm a marathon runner and um, over the years I've run, I've run marathons and trained for marathons. And when I did, I always remember my – London Marathon in 2016 that Easter um, I had a big blowout that weekend because then I stopped drinking for you know on the run up to the marathon like I gave like eight weeks or whatever it was so it was always that conscious yeah I've got to I'm getting to stop drinking for a period of time but yeah it's um it's really interesting really interesting (laughs) so can you paint me a picture Ruth about like, what was your sort of daily life scenario? Like, I know you had this award show and then you had another big night, but like Monday to Friday, like how are you getting along in the world? And was like obviously the big nights and the free bars can be problematic, but was your yeah. drinking in check in other areas of your life and it just became problematic around those big events or had it crept in slowly to be like a bit of a daily occurrence? I think it was, I think it was more, I would do a lot of networking. So there was always the glass of wine, like Wednesday, Thursday, before, you know, even sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it wasn't something I was consciously would drink as much. I wouldn't drink as much in the week if I was at home, like if I was just Monday to kind of Thursday, often at the weekend, I would, you know, get a bottle of wine. Um, but there was very much a, a push for me around socializing or networking for work would always be, I'll have a glass of wine. I'll have a couple of glasses of wine. So it wasn't to get through the working day, but it was definitely tied up into lots of things that I was doing. And I, I retrospectively look back now and my, so I've had my own business now, this will be the eighth year. And I remember when I started my assistant at the time started with me about a year in and she used to say shall I block out some time the next morning because you're going out for these drinks and so clearly I was being unproductive like and I'd be like oh yeah because I work for myself it's you know I can set my own agenda around (laughs) like oh I don't I don't need to have like a a 9am meeting but clearly when you're doing that for yourself, like when you're working for yourself, you can do that or you can do that within reason. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was just the thing that kind of, it, it was all, all, it was part of all my life in every single aspect, whether that was romantic relationships, whether it was family, because 
my family drank um uh you know it was always it, it was always part of everything that I did so I mm. think it was there was no hiding from it at that time I think yeah it's so interesting what you say about working for yourself um, I've done, I've done both. I, I work for a radio station. So it, you know, I work for the man at the moment. That's, mm. you know, um, but I've also run my own business and, you know, I think there's a lot of shine on be your own boss, you know, <laughs> work for yourself, man. And it doesn't work for everyone. And I'm not saying that it does, it isn't your thing, but I think mm. what you've got to realize is that it takes an immense amount of discipline to show up and to run your own race and set your own agenda and be completely accountable for the bottom line mm. of a business than it does to go and sit in an office and do your job yeah. because there's an expectation that you will be there because that's the employment contract that you have with the person who's paying you for the work, right? Mm. And I do think... Like, because I fantasized when I, you know, I worked in media for media companies and I always had very, very cool, shiny, glamorous jobs, which was fun. But it was always working, you know, I was always getting told what to do and where to be and what to wear and what to say and everything. And when I started working for myself, I really glamorized it at, at the start. I was like, oh, my God, I can choose my own hours. And then after two weeks, I was like, oh, my God, I just want somebody to tell me what to do because I don't have any boundaries and I feel like I'm drowning. It is. I mean, I remember I remember like being in the corporate world because I was in the corporate world all that time before. And if I had a, you know, I worked in. I worked in financial services before the big crash of 2008 when life was good and money was everywhere and oh my it was God. a very different world. Weren't they and great we, days? They, they were, were the I, best I, days. And like when I worked, when even when I was out in Sydney in 2002 doing my master's and I'd be out and I worked in magazine publishing for a little while oh and going to the clubs. So yeah. Like the thing is when you don't work for, when you work for somebody else, I, I remember time, especially when I was in, in my twenties where I'd be, if I was hungover, I'd book out a meeting room where I'd go and sit in the toilet for like an hour. <laughs> I'm like, hang on a minute. Like that's someone, that be someone else's time, you know. Yeah. I think when you're right, when it's your <laughs> time but when it's when it's your company and you have then you've got to make that time up I think yeah. I think it's very they I, I think it's I think culture is changing a lot but I do think there is a difference around understanding like your own businesses it is it is very different because you're right because at the end of the day you've got to pay yourself if you're not having got money coming in or pay people that you know I started to have people that work for me as well which you know I'm still bottom of the list to be paid so yeah absolutely yeah yeah, it's yeah. a, you know, it and like I said, it's not for everyone, but it is for a lot of people. Like some people thrive yeah. in those environments where mm, they're like, yeah. I am going to make it on my own and there is nobody telling me, you know, what to do. And and that it does work. And my point of bringing all of that up, Ruth, is to say that I really believe that sobriety, it, it's not just about not drinking. Sobriety no. is a journey of self-discovery and awareness mm. where you really do sit with yourself without this substance in your body changing your brain chemistry mm. and you go, well, who am I and what makes me tick and how do I work and what do I want? And I realised yeah. in my sobriety that I had just done these really cool jobs because I'd been given really cool jobs 
And I didn't actually know what I wanted to do or why I wanted to do it. Mm. And when I sat in the sobriety space for long enough, I, I did eventually have that paradigm shift of like, well, why am I here? And how do I want to use these skills that I have and this talent that I have and put it towards something that's really purpose-driven and fulfilling for me. Mm. So it for me, like these conversations are so important because it's not just about not drinking. And that's the narrative, mm. I think, that's where it starts definitely, which is why I've called the mm. podcast Last Drinks because that's when your sobriety starts. But sobriety isn't just not drinking. Um, it is it is so much more, as I'm mm. sure you have life experience now since 2018. So you so you stopped drinking and how did that go? Because <laughs> for some people it's really easy, for some people it's more of a challenge. It was, it was a combination, I think, because I, I woke up that next day and I went straight on my Instagram stories and said, oh, I'm going to do a 12-month challenge. Oh, you're of one of drinking. those people. Yeah. So, so I, did, I did it that to start off with. Yeah, and, yeah. Because um, I'd just turned 14 in September, so I'd had a big party. And, I was, and, and as you will probably know, there's always the, – it was something I'd always flirted with, but I, I never – there was always something, oh, but it's somebody's wedding yes. or it's somebody's birthday or it's this holiday. And I'd got my diary backed up. I mean, I'd got um, a ball. I'd got to travel for a ball but later on that month. I was going to Chicago for New Year, which I'd booked in to see a friend. I was going to Bali in the February of 2019 for work and all these things. And I was like, do you know what? No, I'm going to do it. And – I remember picking up my phone to my friend and I actually called him whose ball I was going to um, out in Jersey. And I picked up the phone and I was like, you know, I've got something to tell you. And he's like, Coops, what, what? And I was like, I've stopped drinking for 12 months and is that okay? Like, I'm so worried about like, because I was just so worried that every time I'd gone there, it'd been a really, you know, a great boozy weekend. And he was like, Coops you're, you know, you're like, you're crazy. No one's going to know any different. And he was right that night. No one could tell any different. Like I was up dancing before right. the meal came out. And I think there was people, there was some really hard challenges where people, as I'm sure lots of your listeners will know, where um, people's friends were a bit weird about it. And some friends completely did drop off the radar and some yeah. really struggled. But I look now looking back in that year, it was very much about, their own stuff you know because oh what they tied drinking in with me and being fun crazy Ruth and um and also at the time I was on um anxiety uh medication and my GP had said to me oh you're okay to drink on it and I'd only just started taking it that year of 2018 and I said but the physical effects it wasn't even so much the the, the anxious uh, thoughts and everything that came with it. it was the physical feeling headache sickness which is why I think I was so 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 poorly as well those two those two nights out but um the GP was like we well, can drink and I was like I don't get it because it's and now you know I have a coach in psychology and a positive psychology <laughs> MSc and I know so much about the brain I'm like hang on a minute like alcohol doesn't work for the brain and I'm taking medication which is it's all countering each other out and so actually that year of 2019 was in lots of ways the hardest, but I did my best work. I studied full time for, for an MSc whilst building a business. I traveled so much that year and it was like, 
all these good things came to me as mm. well as kind of like you said really understanding myself and and interestingly just before this Christmas just gone so I'll be five years sober this November mm. but um I was diagnosed with ADHD hyperactivity and impulsivity just before Christmas this year uh, 2022 and now it makes so much sense why alcohol and me didn't go well because of the impulsivity because as soon as I drink I would be all or nothing Mm. I would be very reckless really stupid looking back and put myself into some really dangerous and ridiculous situations have no boundaries around anything and yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's just incredible, really, when I look at my life before then to to where, especially where I am now, you know, five, coming up for five years, which is feels like such a journey. It's a huge journey, and so was that diagnosis a relief for you to understand? Oh, this is how my brain ticks. This is, you know, um, this is what this is how I'm wired. Was it helpful? Yeah, because yeah, it was because actually now because I know I have so much around hypersensitivity around, you know, other people's behaviors and emotions and how they affect me. I know there is that hyperactivity, which then when I drink wouldn't, wouldn't help. And also, so mm. there's just been so much learning even about myself in the last six, eight weeks that I've, that I'm uncovering, which now when I think about when I used to drink alcohol, I'm like, wow, that had, such an impact on me as a person you know not only and my panic attacks as well I was diagnosed with panic disorder in 2015 and that's why it took it took so long before I really decided to explore medication but again as soon as the alcohol's gone those panic attacks are now once every six months once a year rather than every few weeks and I again I just I've got no scientific proof for myself but reading into all the research and the studies and knowing what I know about myself now, I'm like, alcohol was a big contributor to that, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there are empirical studies out there, but also, mm. like, you, and this is for anyone, like, be your own experiment, right? Like, sobriety, yeah. that's how I, I kind of, like, yeah, moonwalked into sobriety thinking, I'll just do an experiment for a month because... Drinking wasn't working for me. It just, it got mm. to a point where I was doing it every day. I didn't want to do it and I and I didn't know how to stop. So I just knew I had to change something. So I, I was like, I'll stop for a month and I'll see how it looks. And it looked good. Mm. And so then mm. it was like, well, maybe I'll get to my birthday in March. And if I can get through my birthday, like that's a cool little milestone. And then and then it was like, well, let's let's get to six months. And then it, it's eight years now. And I don't do the, I don't have to count anymore. I don't have to do the little no. like, let's get to this. It's just like at some point, and I don't, I can't put my finger on exactly where, but at some point I realized I was never drinking again because the compound benefits um, and the solutions that I found to the problems that I had in sobriety mm. were, it's like sobriety gave me everything alcohol promised me right? The alcohol was like my companion, but then I was really lonely and isolated. So that was, Mm. that was on, but sobriety gave me a sense of self-worth where I felt like my own best friend again, right? So it's like this beautiful, everything you think alcohol is going to give you, it won't, but sobriety actually delivers that, but you've got to, Mm. you've got to sit in it, right? And so for you, sobriety didn't, 
and I'm going to use air quotes, but it didn't cure a diagnosis no. for you. It didn't no. didn't undo a diagnosis, but it led you to the diagnosis, which gives you a greater understanding of, of what you need in order to operate with the wiring that you have, which is going to mm. be way better for you so that you're not swimming in your head going, is it, you know, like, why do I tick this way? Why why yeah. do I feel oversensitive sometimes or whatever your triggers and your symptoms were? Mm. And so sobriety led you to, because this is the thing, it, like sobriety doesn't fix all the problems either. Like it doesn't stop no. your friends dying. It doesn't stop bad stuff happening, but it gives you an ability to handle it really, really well, which I'm guessing mm. with this diagnosis, I don't know how that was for you, whether... I mean, it could have been a relief, but it might have been confronting. It could have been a whole bunch of things, but you've probably been able to feel all of those things wholly and presently. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting you, you picked up on that because I think when I was diagnosed with my anxiety disorders in 2015, I was still drinking and then I was you know, doing all the well-being stuff. And as a well-being practitioner and everything that I do, you know, everything was pretty much not perfect, but it was on point apart from I was still drinking. Mm. And then when I had the ADHD diagnosis in December, it was really interesting because over Christmas and coming into January of this year, I've been a bit low. I mean, there's lots of, you know, why this time of year, but just there's been a lot of there's been some grief there's been some sitting with it and I think I've been able to do that hot more to do that in a way that's more present and more wholly me rather than in the past with the anxiety disorders I was still drinking and I think there was an element of just still not dealing what was coming around and I think this is just this time round I felt everything more acutely but I have I've got the the skills now to sit with that. And I think that's so right what you've said about, you know, sobriety gives you what alcohol promises and you realise that, you know, numbing isn't going to help. So you feel you feel everything intensely, you feel it much more quicker and you sit with it, but you also then start to learn how you navigate through that rather than, oh, I'll drink and forget about it and maybe it'll be okay and I'll push it down and push it down because that's what I did you know there was so much that came that's come up in the last five years I think um Mm. so I think people people think oh it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows which there's times when it is (laughs) but there's also times when you feel real life right like you said it doesn't stop all this shit that happens in in the world you know so So you just look for other ways you look for other ways through it um and your coping strategies have to be stronger and you have to really dig into why isn't this strategy working anymore? Okay, what can I switch it out with? I think is is really important. Um, and, every, you know, they're, they're different and they change. I think we forget that as well. They, they change all the time for us. So, mm. yeah. So do you still run marathons? Is that your like? Yeah, I did. I did one. Well, yeah, I got injured at the end of last year, but I did do a marathon last year and I did a half marathon race, which I was aiming for a PB and that was the end of September. And then I'm just kind of doing what we have in the the UK couch to 5k. So because I got injured, I'm just building back up again, which is nice. So yeah, running's a big thing for me. I was going to ask, so what, what does that serve for you? Is it a mental health thing? Is it like, what do you, I want to know all about your running. Do you listen to music? Do you listen to the thoughts in your head? Like, how do you, how do you go about attacking a marathon? 
so I found out that obviously with ADHD as well, because of the dopamine levels, that's why I always feel better. I mean, everyone feels better when you exercise because it releases a bunch of happy hormones, right? But mm. I know that for dopamine levels, that's why I've always had, I, you know, running challenges I think but I listen to it depends if I'm training for a marathon which is obviously a long slog because it's months and months of training mm. I, I do switch it up for long run so I might listen to, I might listen to music and maybe a podcast and maybe my own thoughts yeah. um I now live in the middle so the last two years of lockdown I was living by the sea in the coast and now I'm in the countryside in the middle of England so I'm on trails so sometimes it's really nice to switch off and just yeah. hear nature and you be quiet um and I've joined running clubs over the years and ran with people. So it's been a social connection, which has been really lovely. And yeah, I just, I just like the idea of that you can run wherever you are in the world. Like it doesn't matter, you know, if I travel. So last time I was in Sydney in 2019, I did a run from Elizabeth Bay where I used to live actually back in the day, but I ran from Elizabeth Bay all the way to Bondi. Oh, wow. Um, so I was training for Berlin Marathon at that point when I came out. Um, so yeah, I just I just love the fact you can go exploring. Like if I travel anywhere, I always take my trainers because I think oh, I can just go for a little run. And if I'm on holiday, it's like okay, I can have a little scoot around, be all curious, that. and find little routes. Yeah. And and has the running like has your running performance improved um, since you gave up drinking? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I think there's. Um, there's so much more focus whereas before I'd be a whole training program I might just go oh two weeks before or a month before I'll stop drinking <laughs> and now yeah uh, you know I ran my fast I ran one of my fastest um, marathons Berlin it was it was 2019 and I had a great year of training that year that was my first year of sobriety and I did it in like four hours nine minutes and what? I just ran the whole way a marathon I, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so I love it I love the fact and I like the fact that I don't get hung over now as well so I've not got to go oh I feel better and you know mm. I've been I've been ill out running before when I've been out and I'm thinking oh it'll make me feel better and I'm like no yeah I love it that's so cool I just find it interesting what people hmm. gravitate towards and this and the pull throughs from when you were drinking to to sobriety right so so running obviously serves you in a way so even when you were drinking it it was working hmm. for you in some level because it's yeah. the pull through like it's something that you you are still doing now yeah. and just but your ability to do it is so heightened and and you, you and you know like you have so much more ability in sobriety and I do encourage people who are giving up drinking to try and find something else to do with your time mm. um, because when you stop drinking you have a lot of time on your hands um, that yeah. was an overwhelming feeling for me going to sobriety I was like oh my god I'm gonna just be so bored I might die um, and it turns out I wasn't but I found a gym community and I started I'd always worked out um, I'd always yeah. done boot camps and this and like yoga retreats and you know but I really got stuck into the gym and a fitness community and it it was one of the best things um, for me because I would do my workouts when everyone was going to the pub. So I would just be like, oh, sorry, I've got a, I've got a class. Like I can't mm. go and get drunk with you idiots. Yeah. Um, and, but it, 
it didn't, I don't do that type of training anymore, but I do still, um, like I, we just made a gym in our garage just like a few months ago. And now, cause I just prefer being at home. <laughs> so, but I still have, I don't need to go to the gym anymore to avoid going to the pub, but the, the endorphins and what it, what it gives to me, um, and my, mm. uh, and my sense of self and, um, self-esteem and self-efficacy from feeling good, um, mm. is that pull through. And I used to chase that when I was drinking all the time, but then when I started chasing it like really properly without the booze, it was so much more rewarding. Mm. Yeah, I think having those kind of communities, I think you end up connecting more with people. And I, f- I find that when I joined the where I was living before I moved here last summer, um, I joined a running club because um, I'd been to this, I'd moved somewhere because I'd moved a couple of times during lockdown and on my I was at the time on my own, and I met you know people who were also part of the running club who didn't drink as well. So you know we did social things and they weren't also evolved around booze which was just really nice and I think it's finding different you know different ways that you can spend your time and it was really interesting because when I met my now boyfriend he drinks but he said to me it was it was really interesting for him at the start when we started dating because he he had to be really creative because he's like I know you'd be quite happily sitting you'd quite happily sit in a pub and and have an alcohol-free beer or whatever you know I know you're you're fine with that but when dating's all you know oh, let's share a bottle of wine and then just get drunk. But I I asked him, I, after a few months of us being together, I did say to him, like, you know, what, what was it like? You know, how did you find our early stages of dating? And he's like, I just found that we had bigger, deeper conversations. Like I got to know you so much quicker and wow. on a deeper level. And I had to be really creative about where we would go. You know, we went to an art gallery or we went to, like, out for dinner somewhere nice or it was just like different things we got we'd go for walks we'd you know do it like had little adventures and stuff so it was so different to just oh let's go to the pub and you know get drunk and you know that's it and and it takes longer I think you you don't really get because you wake up and you think I don't really remember that conversation or so yeah, it was really it was really interesting for him, I think, from I that love perspective. That. And how considerate of him to really um think about that and to not just go, mm. Oh, she'll be fine. Like we'll at least yeah. I can drink at the pub. Like that's so considerate. And I do you know, in sobriety too, it's really I think important to go and find stuff to do where it would be inappropriate to drink. That's another key that mm. I tell people because I'm like with that all of that time that you have go and do stuff where it would be weird if you had a drink, like go and play a game of tennis because it's it would be weird to play mm. tennis with a beer in your hand. Go to an art gallery where there isn't yeah. an open bar, you know, like go and find, like go and seek out activities and immerse yourself in stuff where drinking isn't an option so you won't even think about it. And then you have these mm. really wonderful experiences as your recent memories and they're not attached to alcohol. And then the more yeah. times you do that, the more your brain is like, oh, I can do stuff sober. And and it's, you know, like, do, 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 mm. do. Like your brain is like, does not compute, but then it eventually does compute. And especially in dating, like I, I mean, that's, that's like a whole, that's a whole other world. Like I've been, I've been married for so long now. I don't even, thank God I don't ever have to date anyone again. But 
Um, but props to your boyfriend for really taking that on yeah. and, and being considerate about and not going, oh, she's sober. <laughs> like, oh, you know, and some people do have that attitude towards sobriety where they're like, oh, God. But, you know, he's obviously so considered and likes you enough to go, hey, I'm really going to try and do something where she's going to really feel comfortable and, and we can mm. really get to know each other. I think that's really beautiful. It was, it was, it was really lovely. I remember the first time, I, and we, we lived together now, but when I first met his family and his, his, like we had this big Sunday lunch and his family actually asked him, you know, what's Ruth's favourite alcohol-free wine? Like, what should we get him for her? And they, and now, and his, his mum now, like when I go over, she apologises if she doesn't have a big range of alcohol-free drinks like I turned up at Christmas and there was the alcohol-free gin there was wine there was beers it was like he he was like there's there's more stuff for you than anyone else well you're obviously really hit with the fans (laughs) yeah down with the fam very important um that's really cool so what is your like you know we talked at the beginning of this chat about what your sort of you know your life Mm. looked like and your Monday to Friday and lots of networking and lots of booze and then you've stopped drinking for you know nearly five years in November this year so what is your what is your Monday to Friday what does your week look like now so I'm a bit like you with I will get up really early if I've got stuff to it's which I've discovered with the ADHD I'm, I'm definitely an early bird so if I've got stuff to, to get done I'm generally up anyway about 5am um, we've got a puppy as well now so he takes up a lot of our time <laughs> uh, and then it's like I spend throughout the day just working being with clients it just feels like I have time to go to the gym in the morning or run. I do a bit of yoga in the evening. Like if I'm at home tonight, I would definitely have a like 20 minutes of yoga before I go to bed and just kind of chill out. So it's just, it just feels like calmer. Like even though there's times, of course, when things are hectic and it was like that for a couple of weeks in Jan when there were some big deadlines, but I'm more present and there is much more focus on that intentional rest. So making sure that the downtime is full of restorative, you know, time out for me, whatever that, what we've just been talking about, whatever that mm. looks like, whether that's watching movies, Netflix, whether that's taking the puppy out for a walk, whether it's, you know, hanging out with friends, doing a bit of shopping, like whatever it is, but just, it's not, it doesn't feel so extreme, I think is the word I want to use. Like it feels mm. more balanced, yeah. less less hu- massive highs and massive lows. It's more in the middle with highs and lows and little roller coaster bumps like everyone has, but just not as up here and then down here. I feel. I love that. It could be. It's that. It's the extremities that we were talking about. Like go mm. back to that night when you just emptied your purse out to a homeless person. Like that extreme. Like, which is such a lovely gesture, by the way. Like, I'm not knocking being charitable. I think that's such no. a nice thing to do. But it was that, in the ex- it was such an extreme way to do it, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Well, then the night, but the night before when I'd been to the awards, I'd gone to see my friend, um, and he was working late after like everything had closed up, and we went into a local cafe, and there was a load of workers that had come off the night shift because it was about two in the morning and I bought he said I was buying everybody their food and then it was the night before that so again 
Sounds and he like still you talks the about right, that now. It sounds like you're the right person to go out with, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> you could yeah, I mean, such a generous heart. But, yeah, like, it's. Food's on me. <laughs> like, it's obviously part of your character to be generous and yeah, kind. And they're wonderful qualities. And it's not a bad thing that you wanted to buy everyone dinner. That's a lovely, lovely thing to do. But in the context of doing it when you're out of control, wasted, is a really different context to being, as you just said, like to being intentional and being, you know, thorough and being present. Like they're two. Yeah. The outcome is good because the outcome is generosity. But the intention is different. And I think... We have yeah. to sit with intention and I think you've got to do sobriety with intention because a lot of the time we don't do alcohol use disorder with intention. We, the, yeah. Other than like it's, life is too hard, I'm just going to drink or you don't even know why you drink. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just the end result of the long day or the wedding or the whatever it is. So I think mm. one thing that sobriety will definitely teach people is to come to each day with an intention because just showing up and staying sober is a big deal. And so you Mm. have to have that on your radar in order to achieve it. And then I think you get intentional about everything, like your marathon running, like your, well, right now your recovery after injury, managing a diagnosis, like all of these things become intentional and therefore Mm. the result ends up being, I think, better. And so I I just, I do, I kind of love that story that you've just got this really beautiful, generous spirit by nature and you can't help yourself. And and (laughs) But I love that such a great human quality. You know, more people need to be more kind and more generous, but just in the context of intention. (laughs) (laughs) he was my friend was really annoyed as well because apparently i didn't get anything for him but i've known him since i was 14 so i was like you've you've probably had enough from me over the years because we've been friends a long time oh man that's cool well it's so it's so great to unpack all of this with you and i'm Mm. i'm super proud of you five years is you know it's a it's a really wonderful achievement and sobriety is working for you it works for pretty much everyone that i talk to to be fair i haven't found somebody Mm. yet that's like nah sobriety is not for me sobriety is for everyone I, i think eventually yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think I've met, I've come across anyone that shared their story that just says, oh, it's absolutely terrible. I, I you know, I, I really want to go back, <laughs> but I can't for whatever reason. I think everyone, I sp- everyone I've spoken to, everyone who approaches me, who's further on on their journey is like, it only gets better. It only yeah. gets better. So yeah. It really does. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get on with your evening. Uh, yes, and I will you. get on with my morning. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 